Hi, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program... One other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, which is very unique to Prime as a VC firm and, and atypical of most VC firms is the fact that we are now planning to expand the partnership by adding like a fourth partner. Uh, and that's usually not the norm in the VC world. Typically, you'll... That's after these headlines. Five members of an all-girl robotics team from Afghanistan have arrived in Mexico, along with several media workers, fleeing an uncertain future at home after the recent collapse of the US-backed government and takeover by the Taliban, Al Jazeera and Reuters report. We give you the warmest welcome to Mexico, Mexican Deputy Foreign Minister Martha Delgado said on Tuesday evening as she greeted them during a news conference at Mexico City's international airport, according to the report. Infosys will establish a new 50,000 square feet digital development center at its largest Canadian office in Mississauga, creating 500 high-quality jobs in the Toronto region over the next three years, the company said in a press release. This digital development center will train, upskill and reskill employees in the technologies needed to help Canadian businesses accelerate their digital transformation. It will also enable Infosys to better collaborate with clients to develop cross-functional solutions to pressing business challenges, according to the release. Infosys in the Toronto region currently serves businesses in the financial services, healthcare, communications, retail and natural resources sectors. Artificial intelligence, data science, automation and machine learning are the core capabilities that this centre would nurture and expand. Infosys previously committed to double its Canadian workforce to 4,000 employees by 2023. Salesforce, which completed the acquisition of Slack last month, reported a 23% increase in revenues to $6.34 billion for the three months ended July 31st, beating analysts' expectations. The company raised its full-year sales forecast as well. With companies and governments around the world continuing to accelerate their digital transformations, we delivered our fifth phenomenal quarter in a row, Mark Binioff, chair and CEO of Salesforce, said in a press release. Sales, service, marketing and commerce, platform, Tableau, MuleSoft and now Slack are all billion-dollar-plus products, Binioff added. Facebook may launch a crypto wallet as early as this year that would allow its 2.9 billion users to store cryptocurrencies. David Marcus, the social network's top crypto executive, told The Information in an interview. The launch of the crypto wallet could happen before the introduction of DM, the digital currency that the company is separately helping to develop, he said, according to the report. Although Marcus has previously publicly said that Facebook was getting closer to launching its Novi wallet, these latest comments are the most specific timeline he has provided, according to the information. Camp K-12, an edtech startup, has raised $12 million in a Series A round co-led by Matrix Partners India and Elevation Capital. Camp K-12 connects students in the 5-18 to 18 year age group with teachers for live interactive online courses in coding and English. Students learn one-on-one with private teachers or in small groups with friends in Camp K-12's gamified online environments. Outside of class, students continue to interact with classmates on Camp K-12's community app, featuring real-time multiplayer duels, self-paced quizzes, free workshops and daily brain development activities. 
Prime Venture Partners is a 9-year-old early-stage VC firm in Bangalore, well-known for backing several successful tech startups building Digital India from fintech to healthcare. The firm has just announced the first close of its fourth fund, which will be 100 million dollars in total. Amit Somani, a managing partner at the firm, spoke to me about the new fund and also about plans to bring in a new partner. Here's more from our conversation. Okay, uh, Amit, uh, welcome to this podcast. Fantastic to have you with us this morning. Uh, thank you for making time for this. And uh, for starters, uh, for folks who are uh, you know kind of outside the startup world, uh, who may be less familiar with uh, your work, uh, can you please give us uh, a snapshot history of Prime Ventures? Uh, that might be helpful, and we'll go from there. Thanks, Hari. A pleasure to be on your uh, on your Forbes podcast. Uh, you know i am one of the managing partners at prime venture partners we are an early stage venture capital fund we invest in early stage product and technology driven startups that are unique and differentiated and we've been doing this now for 9 uh, years this is uh, you know we've invested in about 35 companies across a variety of sectors and we'll uh, go through that but we're really the first institutional investor in category defining startups Mm, of course uh, quite a few of your uh, uh, portfolio companies are today well known and uh, even in the context of uh, covid and healthcare companies like uh, dozy and mfiner have come to the fore um, and you've just announced uh, a new fund uh, at 100 million dollars uh, what are some of the sectors that you are looking at to back yes hari so we have always been very big investors in fintech in saas and what we call digital india which is this massive digitization of india and all three of these will continue and you know time permitting we can explore each of those and and they remain big focus areas i think in terms of new areas you know we are what we call ourselves like an insight driven investor uh, rather than a top down or a bottom up or whatever so there are a few new areas and trends that are very very exciting that we are looking to back now Uh, so basically, decentralized finance and applications around crypto and blockchain, uh, gaming infrastructure, you know, software and infrastructure around EVs. These are some new macro trends that we're excited about. And of course, uh, how can I forget, you know, applications of AI and ML. Uh, so uh, the core will continue: fintech, SaaS, and digital India. And some of these new trends, both at the market and a technology level, are very exciting. Mm. I guess uh, electric vehicles probably today uh, seems to be reasonably straightforward uh, for most folks. Uh, it's picking up uh, big time, a lot of interest. Uh, but explain to us uh, what you are seeing uh, in terms of what is the opportunity in DeFi. Sure. Uh, so let's take them one at a time. So I think uh, in the EV space, I mean, we believe more in sort of software or at best the hardware software companies. So, so we're not necessarily looking to OEM or manufacture things. We're looking at in what way can software organize and better enable a great customer experience for consumers or businesses that are going to be on EVs, right? So this could be around, you know, charging solutions, you know, vehicle management. uh charging networks you know all kinds of things right shared mobility uh things of that nature so in what way can you organize and have very interesting customer experiences and new innovative business models uh so that's on 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 the ev side on um on defi i think you know we like i said we're very big investors in fintech and financial services from from the get go from our first fund in 2012 
and therefore what we think is you know everything is going to be up for grabs right i mean there's this classic thing on the internet of bundling and unbundling off so that we've been in this notion of bundling and unbundling of banks so you had this monolithic bank then you got into an unbundling of bank where each element of a bank got digitized to neo banking and now i think as we progress over the next 10 years not necessarily the next year or two i think applications that enable banking and core banking kind of things like you know uh credit debit savings etc can happen through applications and protocols on on blockchains mm -hmm. uh any uh, specific examples that you have already seen uh that kind of reflect uh, your thinking in india not really i think to be honest it's very early i think this is a big macro trend uh, this is an area that we are sort of actively looking into um i think a lot of people have tried app apps around you know cross border payments and remittances an area that immediately lets itself to well to decentralized finance to openness to transparency etc uh, we've seen lot more examples in the us perhaps of these uh, nothing that we've necessarily invested in yet uh, but i think this is going to be a, a big core uh, interesting new area mm. uh, so in in the related uh, area in cryptocurrencies Uh, I guess in a way India is yet to make up its mind uh, on to what extent uh, crypto will be allowed the government hasn't yet you know had its final say on it uh, is that a potential uh, concern for investors Yes um it it obviously is so what happens uh, hari is that oftentimes the regulatory and the policy frameworks they take some time to kind of catch up and uh, so I think that will be the case here and i also think that thinking about crypto just as you know bitcoin or ethereum is sort of a bit limited even though those are the flagship uh, kind of uh, protocols and 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 coins out there i think there'll be a lot of interesting business models on the technology on which crypto is based which is to say blockchain right so it could be around exchanges it could be around infrastructure for exchanges it could be around information for that so i think there are areas which are going to be you know kosher and and blessed and regulatory wise be just fine and i think they will and in other cases it will take some time for the regulations to catch up um, and i would compare it to you know something no different than say you know on demand taxis or on demand food delivery and so on i think in some cases uh, the innovation was a little bit ahead of the policy and the regulatory frameworks but it is definitely uh, something that we are uh, cautiously optimistic about mm -hmm. and you also mentioned uh, gaming infrastructure what do you mean by gaming infrastructure sure so if you see there is like you know a large slew of indie developers in games right of course there are the big flagship labels you know led globally by the likes of tencent and others and there are also big unicorns in india like dream 11 and so forth so we're not talking about that when we're talking about gaming infrastructure you know what we're talking about are basically things around um you know the the set of tools that gamers need the kind of communities that the gamers want to go hang out right the technology that the end consumers need maybe in a tier 2 or a tier 3 or a tier 4 town to stream the game uh, if they are on a poor device or a not so uh, fast network right so all the other things around gamer tools around streaming around gaming clouds around uh, perhaps even payments around cross border gaming all of these we think are going to be very interesting so i compare it to the kind of you know picks and shovels and access uh, kind of strategy during the gold rush as opposed to necessarily uh, backing folks that are doing end to end b2c consumer games mm -hmm. 
So uh, to get to kind of give a simple example that gamers would immediately uh, relate to, uh, do you expect that there'll there'll be startups in India which could build uh, the Discord of India, for example? Yeah, I think it could. I think each each example you'll have to sort of think differently because I think there are, you know, India being a very open economy and an open market, you know, we don't have the luxury of the so-called uh, you know Chinese wall. And therefore, you'll have to see what things lend themselves well to a global community and a global market, and which are ones that need very unique, quote unquote, India angles, right? So I could imagine esports leagues that might have a unique India angle, or communities in India, which you know, once post COVID things open up, which might have a hybrid sort of online offline type of an experience, right? So those kinds of things. But definitely, I think everything is up for grabs. And I, I for example, another interesting one is. You know, gaming around you know vernacular content or very uniquely sort of Indian concepts, right? And communities around that. So whether it's vernacular, whether it is uh, the more traditional kind of um, Indian kind of games, right? Or Indian kind of uh, entertainment experiences like Antakshri and things like that. Those could become interesting for for India specific plays. Mm -hmm. On moving on to uh, EVs uh, outside of uh, EVs. Uh, are investors in India looking at opportunities from the perspective of uh, climate change related startups? Yes, I think it will be a long term kind of trend. And I think people are beginning to look at things which are uh, around, you know, green logistics or, you know, carbon footprint offsetting technologies and so forth. But I would say we're very, very early in that uh, kind of space. Uh, and certainly as it pertains to technology and software driven companies i think they're uh, we're really in the first innings there so it'll take some time but uh, i do know that people are talking about it now hmm. and in your new fund uh, what are your plans in terms of uh, the so-called deep tech uh, startups emerging in india yeah so you know i think what is happening now is that the applications of a lot of these amazing technology trends and layers that have been built, right? We talked a lot about uh, blockchain already, but let's talk about AI and ML. So AI and ML has been there for, for decades now, but the ability to apply AI and ML to, uh, you know, certain vertical domains, right? So we kind of backed a company which we recently announced called Hyration, which is on applying AI and ML for, for job seekers to help them kind of do their uh, resumes and so forth, right? So that's an example of uh, the application of a uh, sort of technology. Uh, likewise, I think there'll be examples around, um, like we've already talked about, right? Co collaboration and productivity tools in SaaS, right? Or verticalization of specific industries. So I think what will happen is, uh, Hari, that you'll take some of these sort of tech trends and apply it to very meaningful either business or consumer problems. Mm. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the overall VC uh, scene in India. Um, you're an expert, you're an insider. And over the last uh, nine years, from the time uh, that Prime Ventures has been around and from the time that you joined them as well, more than six years now, uh, what are the big changes that you see in the Indian VC ecosystem? Yeah, great question. There is just so many things that have changed. The maturity of the entrepreneurs, from what it used to be, you know, even circa 2015, let alone earlier, uh, in terms of their understanding of very, you know, very basic things and believing in them in terms of unit economics, in terms of profitability, in terms of efficient sort of distribution. Uh, so I think the maturity of the entrepreneurs has gone up a notch. 
I think the ambition has gone up a lot as as we've seen all these sort of various unicorns getting drawn and so forth. Uh, people that used to work perhaps at a you know Flipkart or a Paytm or a, or a Make My Trip or whatever in the earlier genre of of companies are now very very interested and much more emboldened to try sort of more audacious things, right? So that's happened. I think the market has gone a little bit deeper for sure, right? So I think the ability for companies to accelerate revenue traction has become much better. You know, we in SaaS we used to often have this uh, kind of acronym called T3D2, which is you you know triple revenue every you know for the first three years of the company, so triple, 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 and double, double. Now we're seeing companies go 10x. That triple has become 10, 10x in, in you know perhaps year one or even sometimes year one and year two. Uh, so I think that has happened. And of course, I would be remiss in not saying that the amount of capital has also increased quite a bit, right? In terms of uh, the overall ecosystem, whether it is at the early stage, whether it is so-called power angels, whether it is perhaps even at later stages, right? Series B and C used to be very, very uh, starved of capital, and now it is not at all uncommon for companies to do fifty to hundred million dollar rounds, uh, which was less so uh, the case earlier. So I think a big maturing of the ecosystem. a uh, big maturing of the entrepreneurs and uh, at least early strong green shoots in terms of companies getting real revenue and real sort of unit economics traction uh, still long ways to go but i think we've come a long way in the last 9 years that uh, we've been doing this at prime and within prime ventures itself do you see any changes one other thing i wanted to talk a little bit about which is very unique to prime as a vc firm and and atypical of most vc firms is the fact that we are now planning to expand the partnership by adding like a fourth partner uh, and that's usually not the norm in the vc world typically you kind of have people that you groom from within and we of course have a great team there but we are actively looking to recruit a, a fourth partner and i think it will be a, a great opportunity and a new way to kind of build a partnership if i might ask what are you looking for in this new partner Yeah so I think one of the most interesting things in VC is to have a diverse point of view right and we constantly challenge ourselves to remove our biases and our prejudices and and remove groupthink so somebody who comes with a diverse point of view perhaps a diverse network uh, is still incredibly curious and passionate about helping you know India build great companies uh, those are some of the kind of traits that we are uh, we're looking for mm. uh, okay one standard question uh, is uh, what are some of the uh, biggest challenges that still remain for uh, uh, startups and uh, founders in india uh, that come you know that firms like you are trying to help them with yes so you know one of the big challenges that we're going to face we are and we are already doing it and we we spend a lot of time with our portfolio companies helping them with this is talent acquisition and organization design and organization building so one of the downsides of these mega rounds that people are doing whether it's unicorns or public companies or so forth is that people are just throwing money at the problem in terms of hiring talent and i think it is going to become a big uh, big 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 challenge so i i have this thing that i like to say that just like you're going to design a marketing or a go to market strategy for your product or your service to bring it to your customer you'll have to have a gtm strategy for employees why should somebody come and work at company x or company y and how do you not only attract them but how do you retain them when somebody else is going to come and double and triple their comp Uh, at the drop of a hat right so i think talent acquisition is one big thing the second thing is i would say that uh, although covid did help a lot in this manner is how do companies go global uh, so far we've you know india has been the land of the infosys and and tcs and so forth 
So there's been exports, and then we went uh, quite big into SaaS and 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 did really well. Companies like Zoho and Freshworks and so forth, Druva. Now we have to say, can a world class product company be built from India right off the bat for quote unquote a product export kind of a mindset? And furthermore, if I had to stretch that uh, metaphor, can B two C companies, consumer companies, go global? Right. So products that you and services that you're building for India. can you build them to be world class enough for a global market uh, right off the bat right so b2c global plays as well as sort of more saas plays so i think that's going to be um, uh, also a challenging kind of opportunity how do you do that sitting in india um, and 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 so forth um, i think those are couple of the top of my mind happy to uh, you know elaborate further hmm. i mean so 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 far the, i guess only the only on the saas front and the enterprise front we've seen uh, interesting companies i mean you mentioned many of them zoho and uh, others uh, but uh, are there any uh, uh, data driven pieces of evidence that are telling you that uh, on the b2c front it may not be too far away uh, before we get some indian companies uh, going after uh, the advanced economies absolutely um, unfortunately not liberty to share the name of the company that is one in our portfolio which started out being india first a b2c product and it is not in the remedial space but more in the aspirational space in terms of education and learning uh, outcomes and uh, you know when we invested in them uh, they were only india market focused and now they have business in you know seven countries right uh, sitting right here in india so i think that education um definitely is an area where this could happen uh, i also think that this could happen uh, despite regulatory and other complications in areas of fintech where it's a very product driven approach so i could imagine us innovating not just for the developed countries but for some of the other developing ones right so the remaining 5 billion or 6 billion people in the world right so so edtech is one area where i definitely see enough signs of this we've seen some several companies we have couple in our portfolio uh i also see this in uh, it sort of early green shoots in the fintech space as well hmm. okay well, w- one follow up question i mean obviously people are always uh, asking this it's not a new question uh uh to extend this uh, point what do you see in terms of uh, indian founders coming up and building something entirely new i mean obviously i'm referring to Uh, apps like twitter and you know uh, other apps that have come out clubhouse for example that came out recently uh, do you see those kinds of uh, efforts coming out of india yeah i think it will take some time i um, i think people are trying to do it see as a founder you have two challenges right one of course you need to have the audacity to think big and and so forth and i think our founders are doing great on on that quotient the other is you also need to get close to the customer and get close to some of the early product market fit and the early acceleration in your companies right so i think at least i'm a big believer that while uh, remoteness is here and has actually gotten much better thanks to uh, this last year year and a half of the pandemic i do think that until you're really close to the market uh, and and close to those uh, insights it will be kind of a bit more uh, uh, difficult right uh, to to say so but uh, i'm a big believer in the ingenuity of the indian founders so i do think that we will see totally global uh, you know like to your example you know discord or twitter or other kind of companies that will happen over time so my suspicion is they'll start with some unique indian insight right 
which is globally applicable uh, rather than perhaps the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is exactly what needs to happen. I mean, right? I mean, we have adopted what was built in Silicon Valley. I mean, that is, I guess that's my question. Has the time come for you know the big markets to adopt what uh, what insights we have to offer and what those insights might be i guess time will tell <laughs> anyway yeah no if i may add one quick thing hari on on that right one of the things that is the absolute envy of the entire world and also came up through our fundraise for our new fund as well is the india stack right the entire digital rails that the government has backed and has also been adopted quite heavily by the private sector so whether it's upi or aadhar or ekyc or some of the newer innovations so it is truly the envy of of the kind of global markets and i think we could do some very interesting innovations from there that could go global i mean one example of a global company doing it is google pay started in india right on on the upi rails and so forth but now has actually gone global right to i think to the us to latam and so forth so i do think that we'll be able to uh, potentially do interesting global plays based off of india stack going global Excellent. Uh, I'll leave it there. Uh, I mean, I've run out of time. Uh, uh, thank you so much. A very interesting conversation, and uh, as you, as always, I hope to keep the conversation going. Thank you so much, Hari, for uh, having me on your show. That was Amit Somani. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.